We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Cubs have interest in Shark. Again, according to the scores, Bruce Levine tweeting within the last 20 minutes or so that the Cubs are going to watch him pitch over the weekend and see if he's got anything left. Well, that is something. And uh, this is probably now the perfect time to bring in Russell Dorsey, who covers the Cubs for the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm Chris Ranji, hosting here on 670 until 10 o'clock tonight. Russell is joining us right now. Good evening, Russell. How are you? Ranger, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Dude, let me ask you this question first. Have okay. you ever heard of or been on a fantastic voyage? <laughs> um, I have heard the song before, but okay. as far as what your caller was referring to, <laughs> like going and buying a whole bunch of food, uh, I didn't know it had a name, but maybe back in college a couple years ago. It's kind of awesome, huh? I, I, you know, yes. I, I don't know how often you can do that. I think it's bad for your health. But listen, knock yourself out, caller. Like, if you want to go on a fantastic voyage while listening to Fantastic Voyage, the song, I think that's a good time. While also being on a fantastic voyage, because maybe you've had a little of the 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 stuff. That's it's like legal uh, now. Like in, it's like Inception, like the movie. <laughs> That's oh, man. So much stuff on, on top of each other. Dude, everything is folding on itself now. Right. I'm confused. Russell, all right, let's talk about uh, Jeff Samarja. Uh, again, I mentioned Bruce Levine with that report. They're going to watch him pitch over the weekend. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. If that, okay. I, I, I don't doubt Bruce's reporting there. Um, I, I just think if if I think a lot of us have written this offseason, the Cubs are in need of starting pitching depth. Like that's that's the truth. Like you lost John Lester, you lost Jose Quintana, and now you're looking at a rotation that's Kyle Hendricks and, and Zach Davies, who is kind of Kyle Hendricks, and Alec Mills, who is Kyle kind of Kyle Hendricks. And so you're going to need some depth there. And so if you want to, you know, they've brought some guys in. They brought in uh, Cole Stewart today as part of that depth. They're going to need some more and have a lot of these guys compete. If you want Jeff Samarja to be one of those guys that competes for that four or five spot with Adbert Alzale and some of these other guys like Tyson Miller and Corey Abbott that you have in your minor league system, sure, knock yourself out. But me personally, if you're going to go for this, well, we can't spend money, and you need some starting pitching depth with some of the guys that are out there. I would take a much bigger swing and go for a high upside guy like a Mike Poltonevich or a Chris Archer or even a Carlos Rodon. Because while I, I think Carlos Rodon had, there were some reasons that it didn't work with him, you know, as far as being with the Sox and not staying healthy. He's the type of guy that would, I feel, would want to stick it to the Sox in Chicago. <laughs> and might pitch pretty well 
uh, on the north side. So I think there are a couple other guys out there that I think the Cubs should be interested in that I think would make more sense upside-wise. But sure, if they want to bring in Jeff Samarja for a bullpen and see what he has, sure, why not? Well, I, I guess you might as well uh, at, at this point. And, and when you've already decided that, that this is going to be a thin year or thinner in terms of, of the uh, salary, the, the right. payroll that they've got going into the season, which has been, I think, for a lot of people, very difficult to deal with or to accept because, well, I mean, there are a couple of different reasons. One, this team was supposed, and they were good for the years after the World Series, but I think there was this expectation they were going to do more with the seasons they had after that with the core they did, and so they didn't. They, they didn't go back to another World Series. They didn't make that happen, so there's a disappointment. So now that they've decided they're going to trim this payroll, they're not going to go hard, why would you not in this division, though? Because you, you look around the division and what everybody else is doing, or rather what everybody else is not doing in the National League Central, why not take a little bit of advantage of that? Honestly, Chris, they're probably going to win this terrible division anyway, which is the sad part about all of it. It's probably the worst division in in baseball, and by probably, I mean it is. And you, you're right. You look at, I think it was about $3.7 million had been spent in the National League Central before that Cole Stewart signing by the Cubs today. So there's not a lot of people that seem to be trying as far as teams in the NL Central. And if you look at, you know, the Pirates, we're already rebuilding, but it looked like they started rebuilding in the middle of their rebuild again. So that's definitely a, a team that you could take advantage of. The Brewers, the Cubs, and the Cardinals all you know seem to be, and, and the Reds in, included in that, all seem to be the same team. Like None of them are exactly better than the other. They all have some type of strength, but all of them are flawed in one way or the other. And, yeah, they're with some of the players that are on the market. The Cubs clearly have holes, whether it's their rotation out in left field. They still need to decide if they want Nico Horner to play second base or not. Do you Are you happy with where your bullpen sits? Do you, are you happy with some of your options off the bench? And I think there's just a lot more questions than answers at this point for the Cubs. And if that's the case, you would think that you would be able to go out and answer some of those questions on the free agent market. But because of that requirement to lower salary and because of the, whether you want to believe it or not, financial implications of this pandemic, and you see what they've had to do as far as payroll, uh, layoffs, that stem back from when the season was going on. Like there's been a lot that's uh, kept them from doing those things. So, Will they make some more moves before we get to spring training in a couple of weeks? I would imagine so, just because they only have about three outfielders on their 40-man roster. And the last time I checked, Chris, you need three outfielders to, to play. So well, I think they're you – know, yeah, I mean, depends I mean you could go left do. center and right center. You know, we used to do it, it in would, Little League. It would be suboptimal for them. Yeah, it would definitely <laughs> but be. So I imagine they're going to make some some more moves before we get to spring training. But I wouldn't expect any big splashy. Oh, we got this guy type of moves. Uh, sidebar: I hit a game-winning triple in little league once because the team we were playing that we never beat uh, their their outfielder got hurt at like the end near the end of the game, and instead of going left center and right center, 
they decided to play their outfielders in left field and center field and leave right field vacated. And um, I had no bat speed. So on, on accident, I popped up to right field and it landed. And I, I hit a triple and won the game. You're, you're being too humble, Ronzi. That's, that's pure bat control that you had from a young age. And you were able to take a pitch and poke it out to right field. Like, come on, be a little less humble here. Give yourself nah, I some credit. I, I couldn't believe I made contact, honestly. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and by the way, we're talking about the National League Central. We're talking with Russell Dorsey of the Sun-Times. Um, the, the Cardinals had not done anything until today. They have signed Adam Wainwright or are going to sign Adam Wainwright for one year mm-hmm. and $8 million. But that's not even an addition. That, that's a guy they no. already had. You know, So it's not like they have gone out and done anything to improve Nobody in this division, their, their number one rival in the division has done nothing to get better. The Brewers certainly have not done anything to get better. I, I, I think that for a lot of people, me included, there would be hope here that they would have actually done some work, at least a little bit of work, to try and make it, even if it's an incremental improvement, because this division is very winnable. Now, it, it's, it's really strange, man, and you look at teams... You ask the question all the time, do teams want to compete? And so often because of what we've seen and and moves we've seen teams make, whether it's it's a pandemic year or not, like you always say, it doesn't look like teams want to compete, which is really sad. And I think that hurts the sport in in the long term. But, you know, talking about the Cardinals, they bring back Adam Wainwright, who, like, don't get me wrong, was fantastic last year, 5-3 with 3-1-5 ERA. Um, but for a guy who's going to be 39 years old this year, how much longer can you expect him to to put up numbers and perform at that level when there are players out there that probably would have taken that $8 million that you gave Wayne Wright and joined Jack Flaherty and some of the young pitches that you have in St. Louis and been able to do some, you know, some good things for you and possibly win this division. But as of right now, like, I can't say that I think 85 wins is going to take the division, you know, in the National League Central. Like, I can't see a team winning more than that right now based on the moves that have been made. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if it's fewer. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 83 or 83 or 84 wins. Right. It's just you look at the look at the Brewers. Like, yeah, they have one of the best players in the game in Christian Yelich, one of the best young um hitters in the game and, and Keston Hira, who is terrible defensively, but he can swing it. And you have uh, a what they believe to be an ace in Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader in the back end of their bullpen. But there's a lot to fill in in between those guys. And they haven't really done it. Not really. They haven't done anything to, to improve on that this offseason. So all these teams are in the same position. All of them uh, are looking to move money to help themselves. Like we had, there was that rumor out there that the Reds were looking to deal some guys after they one year of going for it. And it's like, Nope, that's it. <laughs> we, we met our quota for, for the decade and, and we're going to trade off pieces, but nah, it's, it is frustrating. If you're a fan of baseball to watch teams not go out and try to do everything they can to compete when there are resources there, despite the fact that, you know, you hear differently. Uh, since there ap- appears to be some interest in um, entertaining former White Sox players, did they not have any interest at all in Marcus Simeon? 
I there's just for what Marcus Simeon wants or wanted and ended up getting from the Toronto, they wouldn't have been able to come close to what the Blue Jays ended up offering for Marcus Simeon. Like is it for what they're going for right now? I would if they don't add another outfielder. I think they they might start the season with Chris Bryant playing left field. And then that means you would have some type of rotation between David Bodie and Nico Horner playing third base and second base. Is is that the is that what you want? No, but I I, I don't think that Simeon was in their price range at all. Like I think there are a lot of teams that it there was I guess the report reported today that the the A's offered him ten million dollars to come back in deferred. It was money. like deferred, like all of it. it a million dollars every year for the next what? ten years. What um, are they doing there? Yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a team that you thought Cubs fans were upset. I feel bad for people out in Oakland, but yeah, I, I just don't think for where their budget is, they did not have what it took to sign Marcus Simeon. That that's a, a really outrageous situation in Oakland. That that is that bad. That they have that little budget. That for a player like him, who didn't he didn't have a great 2020, but you know what? What's two months of a season? It's a solid, that's a solid. That's one of the top ten shortstops in baseball. Like how and do you a, a guy that's from money? the area? He turned himself into a from a very poor defender to a very you know above average defender at shortstop with the help of Ron Washington, and you. you you think, all right, we want to keep, we want to build around this guy. Like you already lost Liam Hendricks to the White Sox. Why not keep a guy who's from the area in Oakland and try to build something? But it's, they had no interest in doing that. And ten million dollars, like that's not a lot of money. I don't care what these teams are saying. Ten million dollars in baseball money is not a ton. And to defer a million dollars a year, that's Dude. like me saying, Chris. I'll pay twenty dollars for for dinner tonight, but I'll uh, I, I got to give it to you one dollar at a time for the next twenty days. Just That's I, I mean, look, I I know it's a pandemic, and I know yeah. the A's have been operating like this for a long time. You're gonna have a really difficult time convincing me that things are so dire for that organization. They have to offer twelve and a half mil, but the rest of it is uh, going to come to you in $1 million chunks over the next 10 years. That's just, what do you, or, I'm sorry, it was it was a 12 and a half total with a two and a half for the first year and then 10 spread out over 10 years. Like things cannot possibly be that dire for them. And if they are, sell. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that insults not only a guy who played well for you, but that insults, other free agents that might think about coming to Oakland. Like you kill any chance of attracting a free agent in the future. If you're going to do that to a guy who played for you, that was in your organization. Like it's, it's bad business. Russell ain't no free agent thinking about going to Oakland ever. That's already out. Like there's, (laughs) there's nobody out there like, Oh, I'll go play there. Get yeah, a new stadium, build, maybe. They'll end up saying, wait, you're, I'm not playing for the Warriors. I have to play for the A's. <laughs> yeah, dude. What a – the sewers still backing up in the bullpen or whatever was going on out there. Yeah. That that, that organization is a mess. Uh, so before we let you go, Russell, is there – well, let me let me ask you about the White Sox. I mean, you've, you've okay. covered them. you followed them. You know what's what's going on with them. I I found it to be kind of startling though not entirely surprising, I guess, if you think about it, 
that Bob Nightingale reported yesterday that they, they feel like they don't have much wiggle room as far as doing anything else before the, the season starts. It, mm-hmm. Is that reality? Is, is that what they really think or what they really are going to do? Or is that just something they're throwing out there, but they have every intention to make one more move? As When it comes to their situation and their finances, I would trust Bob more than anybody else on that type of thing, just because of what we've seen over the years and his, his relationships over there. From the, the aspect of will they spend, what will they spend, I, I think they, they've done some really good things this year. I don't want to take that away from Rick Hahn and, and Kenny and those guys over there, but they seem to be a move or two short. And if if this is your version of all in, you know you got to look at it like there there's still some teams that are better than you. Like if you bring in a guy like a Nelson Cruz, that solidifies a lot of different things. And while I wouldn't have personally made the move for Adam Eaton, I would have ponied up and gotten a George Springer, and maybe you supplement in other ways. It. it it's kind of unfortunate that you got you're really close to the finish line, and that's that's the, the I guess the frustrating part for the fan base is like you're so close to being the juggernaut in the American League. It's like why not spend that extra fifteen million dollars if it gets you Michael Brantley instead of Adam Eaton, or if it brings Nelson Cruz to be your DH for one year, and then you don't have to worry about rushing Andrew Vaughn to be your DH in 2021, right? So, do. I think I've been saying it all off season in print on Twitter, wherever it's not big market. It's not small market. It's teams that are willing to pay the price point and teams that aren't. And so you're going to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, they've spent a lot of money this off season. They spent more than most. So I'm going to give them credit for that. But it, it seems like they're that one move away from really, solidifying themselves as the best team in the American League, uh, but they have these holes now. So will they be good still? I I think so, despite the manager, despite having some of these holes. I do think they're still going to be one of the best teams in baseball. But it would would be nice if they could just solidify that one last hole uh, before they start the season. Russell, good to talk to you. Thanks for giving us some of your time tonight. My man, one thing before I go, Chris, I need to apologize to your producer, Sean Anderson, my guy, because as you know, he is a big Tampa Bay Bucks guy. And a couple months ago, I was I was talking mess on, on the Twitter.com about how bad the Bucks were because at the time they weren't looking good, and now they're going to the Super Bowl. So my man Sean, I apologize. Took all the slander off my Twitter, and, and he knew from from like October that this was going to happen, and he wasn't wrong. So there you go. Well, uh, I'm sure he appreciates it, but Russell, have you ever in your life uh, seen a guy throw three picks late in a game and still get to go to the Super Bowl? That was what the weirdest. Three straight picks. The first, half, first half, he was amazing. In the yeah. second half, he forgot how to play football. Well, don't tell him there are two halves in this game coming up. Yeah, we'll, we'll let him, uh, Father Time, figure it out for him. <laughs> I'm sure he knows. Damn it, he's going to another Super Bowl, whatever. Uh, Russell, thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks, Chris. That's Russell Dorsey of the Chicago Sun-Times visiting with us on the score. And regarding um, the White Sox, 
and what they have done during this offseason and what it looks like they are probably not going to do, that's a difficult thing to accept. And I think a lot of people are having trouble with that, and I'm one of them. We'll talk about that next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hello? 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 Is this, did, did, did you, Hello? Did, hello? Hello? Hello, this is Rick. Hello? Am I on? Hello? I can't hear him, hon. Hello? Hello? Okay, hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, are you there? <laughs> are you guys messing with me? Hello? Okay, hello, everybody. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, hello. Let's talk about the White Sox. Oh, I miss a good hello game. Uh, Jay Hood was the first ever to do score hello. And then Boars and... Well, actually, Boars and Bernstein probably were doing the hello game about the time that uh, Jay Hood was doing score hello, but those are two of the best things that have ever happened on this station. Like, ever. Score hello was great. And that was a hell of a lot of fun. Hello! (laughs) The hello game was fantastic, man. Hello? Hello. Don't do that. If you ever call in to a radio station and they go to you and you think you've heard them go to you, just start talking. Don't stop talking until you get hung up on. Okay? Just just talk. Don't say, oh, wait, hello, am, am I on? Yes, you're probably on. And now you sound dumb. Now you sound like you don't know what the hell's going on. So just just go with your words and and keep going. I'm Chris Ranji until 10 on the score. Sean Anderson is uh, producing. I didn't know you were a Bucks fan, Sean. I, I'm not Why? a Bucks Yeah, not a Bucks fan. I was a Tom Brady fan. Now what I'm... Is, okay. Go go ahead. Finish well, your thought. So, we, so I got to talk about this. I was four when he won his own when he won his first Super Bowl. And so it was the first football game I remember seeing. I was and, eight when the Challenger blew up. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you're not into space. <laughs> All right, go it ahead. Blew up. So it was a tragedy. Yeah, it it's not like you were like, wanted to be like, oh, I wanted to go up in space. But yeah, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, Sean. It was my first football game. He won, he came back, won the Super Bowl, and then he kept doing it over and over again. So, I mean, he was like Superman in, in a way. And then, you know, he's like best friends with Antonio Brown, and I don't know about, I don't know about all that now. But, you know, okay. he was my guy. There's, there, there's something really weird about Tom Brady fans. It's almost like being a fan of a politician in a way. Like there's, a, there's an obsession with him. With just him, where pe- I've got a friend that I used to work with um, on on in in St. Louis when I was working there, and he is from Boston. His name's Tom Carroll. He was working for the Sports Hub, I think, in Boston for a while. It's either the Sp- Sports Hub or EEI. I think it was Sports Hub. Whatever, doesn't matter. Now he's doing a podcast with Morton Anderson, so he is a Tom Brady. I mean, fan, like fan, and it's weird 
he's obsessive about Tom. And I texted him on Sunday, right around the time that game was about to start against Green Bay. And he said, hey, dude, I, I, I got to watch this game. I'll, I'll text you afterwards. And I'm like, what? He's like, Tom's playing. I, I got I to gotta focus on Tom. Like, what is the matter with you? What is, the, what is it with people who are from Boston or people who are just fans of Tom Brady? Like, it's a, it's a religion almost, and I don't really get that. Like, he's gone from your team. And I'm not talking about you because you're not a Patriots fan, right? No, yeah. I, I, well, it was mainly, I mainly separate. I made the distinction because of the cheating that Belichick led, uh, orchestrated, and Tom had nothing to do with. You're co- dude, okay, come on. Come on, man. I, I swear like, to God, just, that was the reason. Because b- people would come at me. Do you still feel that like, way? Well, it, it, like after 2007, people were like, I, no, I was like, no, I'm not a Patriot fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan. Because Tom had nothing to do with uh, with Spygate. <sighs> the Flategate was a little different. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I was the same way. I, I, I told people not to text me in that Packer NFC Championship game. Because come I, on. I was on a stream. I'm poor. So I was like two minutes uh, behind every play. So I didn't need the oh, spoil. okay. All right, that's different. That that's that's not that's not the same as I have to concentrate. I mean, I have and to I, concentrate. I need to focus on Tom. Leave me alone. Tom is on TV right now. It's such a weird thing, and I don't think that my buddy Tommy Carroll. Uh, and I, you know what? I'm not convinced that he didn't change his name. I, th- I think maybe his name is like Brad or something, but he changed it to Tom because of Tom Brady. But there's something really odd about that fandom. And I guess you can make the argument, well, what if you're like a LeBron James fan or a Michael Jordan fan? You know, like that makes more sense to me than it does to be that way about a quarterback who goes somewhere else. And maybe that sounds hypocritical, but but hear me out on this. I think it's because while the quarterback is hugely important and, and the most important position in football by a lot, like there isn't a close second. He is he is the most important guy. Um, but you still have to have another side of the ball. Like there's still a defense that keeps that dude off the field if they're doing their job right, keeps him off the field for a long time. I I feel like in basketball it's different because you could literally take over a game. You LeBron can literally take over a game and win. And MJ did it all the time, too. And Steph Curry has done it. And Giannis is going to be the next, you know, he's going to do it. Luka, all those guys are, are capable of doing it. So I think it's less weird when it comes to NBA players. But I think it's super weird to have that 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 feeling for a quarterback, especially if he's left your team. <laughs> well, never my team. But, yeah, I mean, I, I see your point. I mean, Brady's now 3-1 and one in the postseason when he throws three interceptions. So it's like it's not like he's doing it all by Correct. himself in all 34 postseason wins. But the, the thing I saw it as was, I mean, I don't care if Bill Belichick gets fired. I don't care if Richard Seymour goes to the Oakland Raiders. I don't care if they you know get rid of Danny Woodhead. I don't care if they get rid of Wes Welker. The only reason why I'm watching this team every Sunday is because of the quarterback. Okay, that's it's still I don't know. It, it ain't the same thing as LeBron dragging the bum ass Cleveland team to the finals, you know? It ain't the same thing. Like that that's that's awesome. And yeah, Brady's career should be celebrated and we are doing that rightfully. But yeah, come on, man. It takes a lot of 
other stuff to happen for right, you. Right, but but the most the most passing yards he had in the Super Bowl was 505, and he lost that Super Bowl. And he and lost Nick that Foles. game. Yeah. So I mean, it, it could go either way. The the same thing with the uh, the the um the Giants one. If they don't complete that pass, the two passes, the Tyree, yeah, Tyree, and yeah. then Manningham, and the other one. I mean, you know, they don't win that game. Okay, but but your 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 hero worship of Tom Brady. There's something weird. If Tom Brady hates you. Probably. He he hates you, Sean. He he wants nothing good for you. He doesn't care. If you fell into a sinkhole on your way home from work tonight and somebody told Tom about it, he'd say, oh, that's a shame. And you know, where's from the, my where's hosp- the avocado ice cream? And from my hospital bed, I'd be rooting for him on, you know, the 7th or whatever. Super that's Bowl an abusive Sunday. relationship, and you should, you should get out of it. Didn't even get to the White Sox here because I found out something really appalling about you, and I had to address it. Um, but uh, Bob Nightingale delivered some harsh truth to the score yesterday. Is it truth, though? Is it truth, though, about what the White Sox are going to do or rather what they're not going to do before the season starts? Chris Ranji with you on the score. What do you think of that notion that uh, Cruz could flip the switch and become a member of the South Side? I think there's a better chance, Chuck, of you and I hitting DH for the White Sox. <laughs> there's no way that's happening. The West Sox are topped out with money, so no, they're uh, yeah, that's not even on the on the radar at all. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, obviously he'll help any team as a DH, but he's going to return to Minnesota. Uh, there's just not a market really for him. Uh, Minnesota likes him. He likes Minnesota, so I'd be stunned to see him, you know, anywhere else. And I think there, there's zero chance he signs with the White Sox. Good enough. Ah, cool. Zero percent chance. Uh, That was Bob Nightingale of USA Today talking with Chuck Swirsky, voice of the Bulls, that you can hear on 670 The Score. Bulls and Blazers tomorrow. It's a 7 o'clock tip. So does that mean the pregame's at 630? Or is it 645? 45. 645. Pregame show tomorrow night. Bulls, Blazers, uh, after the fact. Uh, by the way, I learned something about Chuck Swirsky the other day, something I did not know. Everybody knows the Superfan sketch, which was originally written by Robert Smigel on SNL, that it, it was called Bill Swirsky's Superfans. They, they used Chuck's name as inspiration for Swirsky. That's where they got it. I didn't know that. Maybe everybody else did, but I did not. So they borrowed Chuck's. Now, I wonder if Chuck knows. Do you think Chuck knows that they used his name for that sketch, which is which is world famous now, and I think uh, for a lot of people in Chicago, grading, I think they're over it. It was a brilliant sketch at the time, but I think people are kind of over that whole thing. Not everywhere else, though. They love it in every other part of the country except Utah, probably, because they don't like anything in Utah that's fun. Um, anyway, so Nightingale on with Chuck yesterday. The West Sox are topped out with money. Oh, are they? All right, so here's where it stands right now. For your Chicago White Sox going into the 2021 season, currently, according to Track, they are at a payroll of $120 million Point five. So it's actually 120,454,166. So 
just say round up it, it's it's 120 million point five. That's where they are right now. It puts them behind, just behind, by about five mil, the Toronto Blue Jays. It puts them in front of the St. Louis Cardinals. And actually, the Cardinals may have overtaken them with that Wainwright deal. Uh, yes, they did. So, so with the money added in for Adam Wainwright, who has signed a one-year contract with the Cardinals, or is about to, that puts them at 123. So right now, the White Sox are dead middle. They're, they are 15th in payroll in baseball as it stands. And that is not to say they have not done some pretty good work here during the offseason and really the last couple of offseasons in getting better. But when we talked to Russell Dorsey of the Sun-Times a little bit ago, maybe there are some of those deals that are just not all that exciting to you if you're a Sox fan. I don't think anybody is is particularly thrilled about the idea of bringing back Adam Eaton. It might work out fine. He might be okay. He might end up being productive. And if he is, great. And And hopefully he will be. But it isn't exactly the inspiring kind of move that you're looking for from a team that is so close. The White Sox are so close right now to not being just good not just playoff good but i'm talking like get to the playoffs win that first round make it to an lcs maybe make it to a world series they are very close at actually threatening for that kind of thing and all they need is a little bit of help and it's not just these it's not these players that will fill a gap They are beyond needing players that are going to fill a gap for them. What they need are players that help put them over the top. And I don't think there's anything unreasonable about you expecting that from them. So it is disappointing from my perspective to hear Nightingale, who who is tied in, let's be honest. He, if he says it, there's a pretty good chance that somebody in the organization told that to him. And they could be using him as a conduit to put out uh, maybe a false idea that they're not willing to attack anymore, uh, which which could, in a negotiation standpoint, it could benefit them if it sounds like they they feel like, hey, we're set, we don't need anything else, we don't have to go sign another player, we don't have to have Nelson Cruz, we don't have to have George Springer because we feel pretty good. Um, because if you know the White Sox are ready to spend money. If you know they are like the Phillies a couple of years ago, willing to spend stupid money, then I, I would say a negotiation that probably helps you if you're the players camp. So so I, I, ideally what's happening here is it's a red herring, that they're throwing everybody off the scent of them being aggressive here in the weeks prior to spring training that is in an ideal world i have to be honest with you i don't really think that's what's going on i i think the likelihood is what you've heard from nightingale is probably the truth they're probably done they probably look at what they've done over the last several weeks and they've decided this is it this team is good enough not just to win the division and it is But that shouldn't be the goal. 
The goal shouldn't be, hey, we're good enough to make the playoffs. The goal should be, not only are we good enough to make the playoffs, we expect to make the playoffs. And when we get there, we expect to be better positioned to make a run than other teams in the American League. That should be the goal. And spending the extra money, the acquisition of George Springer or Nelson Cruz, hypothetically, any of these guys does not guarantee a deep playoff run. But you know what it does? It really shortens that margin for error for you. Actually, it expands it, however you want to look at it. It gives you the ability to not have to be perfect. And that's not what you want. It, it is, I can understand being totally uninspired by this. I mean, yeah, they improved. They signed Hendricks, which is a good move. And I'll talk about that in a moment. It, it, it's a good move, but it's not, it, if it precludes them from doing other things, I don't know if I like it as much. And, and, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But, but, but where the White Sox are right now, for a fan base that has been starving for them, and they made the playoffs last year, but, you know, 2020 is a, it's just a, it was a different kind of season. This upcoming year, which looks like is going to be close to a, a full 162, uh, unless something changes, but it looks like it's going to be a full season again. And maybe we'll have some COVID stoppages throughout the year, but this is going to be close to a full season, if not entirely a, a full 162. So I think you expect a little bit more, and there's going to be more writing on it. And I understand looking at that, and I, and I feel that way too. What you want them to do is go all in. And th- that was the term that, that Dorsey uh, used when we talked to him uh, earlier in the hour. And as soon as I heard him say it, I had that uh, that weird feeling that I think a lot of you probably get when you hear the term all in as it pertains to the White Sox. Because your first thought is, you know, they did this once. They've done all in one time. And they did. About eight years ago, they did all in. And all in did not work out. But there's a difference between the 2021 White Sox and the 2012 White Sox, or was it 2011? I don't know, whatever. Eight, nine years ago, it doesn't matter. All in was almost a decade ago. There's a big difference between these two teams. What's the difference? That team from eight, nine years ago was an aging team that they were trying to squeeze out the very last remnants of what they were hoping would be a a possible championship team. The 2021 White Sox is a team that's just getting started. And for a team that's just getting started, what you want to see is them take full advantage of an offseason in which there are a lot of teams out there that are just wholly uninterested in participating in the idea of getting better. Look at the National League Central that we just talked about. Every team in that division said, eh, we'll see what happens. Every team, every single team in that division, that is an entire division that is not even participating really in the offseason. 
That's a whole division. That's five teams right there you don't have to worry about competing against to, to get the guys you want. That's five. So now you're competing with 24 other teams. Actually, probably not even that. You could probably do, cut that in half. Actually, you could probably take away two-thirds of that. There aren't that many teams that are really, truly interested in the 2021 offseason in truly getting better. This would have been a terrific time for the White Sox to go hard and make this team really, truly better. And again, it doesn't guarantee anything. And by the way, it was the 2011 all-in White Sox. Thank you, Sean. That decided to go all in. And they did. You know, they they went and got a guy who had hit 40 home runs for like eight straight years. And you figured, man, he's gonna he's gonna come to this ballpark that when it gets really warm plays like it's a 300 foot fence. This guy's gonna hit 50 here. And well, you, we all know how that first year went. Nobody could have predicted the Adam Dunn first season was going to be one of the literal worst seasons by any regular player in history. No, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Although I will tell you this, and and it's been out there since. I Maybe you've heard this story, maybe you have not. But Ozzie Guillen, the manager at the time, I was at a wedding in... The spring, so it was, it was spring of 2011 in Arizona. Um, a friend of mine who used to work for the team had gotten married, and she was from Arizona or had gone to. I think her folks were were living in Arizona, and so when it happened to be spring training, it was perfect. They just said, "Hey, let's get married in spring." So Ozzy went to the wedding that day, and we're standing outside after the ceremony, right out front of the church. And a dude, just some fan who happened to be in attendance and he knew somebody at the wedding, um, he, he walked up to Ozzy and he said, hey, man, this is going to be great. Adam Dunn? You guys say, you guys signed Adam Dunn? My God, I'm excited. And Ozzy looked at the dude and said, and if you've ever heard, but if you've ever heard anybody uh, squash your dreams in a second, uh, this was a perfect example of it. Ozzy looked at the guy and said, Adam Dunn is the kind of guy to get you fired. And we all looked at each other like, what? And then the guy is like, oh, okay. Thanks, Ozzy. Big fan. Walked off. And what he meant by that was, he's the kind of guy that you acquire and you expect him to hit 40 home runs and drive in 100, 110. And if he doesn't do any of that, well, guess who's going to get blamed for it? The manager. And guess what happened? All of that happened. Like, all of that stuff panned out. It was amazing. He called it. Ozzy's a, 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 a smart baseball guy. But I, th- I think that this is a completely different kind of situation. This team is young. This team is getting better. All this team needs is an all-in approach now. Especially when other teams have just said, you know what? It's a pandemic. I'm not participating in the offseason. There were already a lot of teams not participating in offseasons over the last several years because they feel like they've got the market figured out. They feel like, well, I can get similar production from this guy who's 22 years old than signing for a veteran who's going to cost me about 10 times as much. 
So they're not signing those players. That's been going on for 10 years or 10 years, maybe four or five. And now you add a pandemic into the mix, which is a built-in excuse for a lot of teams to just completely dip out of the po- of the offseason and any sort of uh, improvement. Well, here's a perfect opportunity when you've got like 25 teams who have all said, eh, we're good. We'll be fine. We can't spend money. We're laying people off. And by the way, the White Sox absolutely should be commended for being a team that did not do that. They didn't lay anybody off. They kept all their employees. And that is absolutely commendable. It should be celebrated that people did not lose their jobs. People who worked for that team did not lose work. When every other team was laying people off all year long, the Sox didn't do it. That is admirable. That is commendable. But that doesn't mean that's where you stop. The White Sox are tapped out with money. I don't know, man. I know it's, relatively speaking, it's difficult for everybody right now. And it's, relatively speaking, it's difficult for the White Sox right now. For any team, relatively speaking. But it ain't the same as losing your house, losing your job, and then having to figure out how you're going to get by for the next several months on $400 a week or 300 bucks a week or whatever it is. That's a little bit different. So I, 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 don't, I don't feel sorry for baseball teams or hockey teams or anybody else. I don't feel sorry. I don't feel sorry for owners who are almost always worth a billion dollars at least. I don't feel bad for them. Because if they really, truly wanted to, they could absorb these losses for the time being, sign the players that need to be signed to make the team better, and keep all of their employees. And you know what? They'll make that money back down the road. It may not be next year. It may not be the year after that. But there has never been an owner in the history of modern sports that has lost money. They may not have made as much as they hoped they were going to make. And and I really think that's the key here for the, the 2020 sports season. No owner lost money. Owners may not have made as much as they were expecting to make when the year started, but they haven't lost money. There's a difference between having a billion dollars in January of 2020, and then you get to the end of 2020, and you have 1.6, or what, what, I, I I said a billion dollars. You have you have nine hundred million dollars at the end of the year. They didn't lose a hundred million dollars. They just didn't make a hundred million dollars. But nobody lost money. It just didn't happen. So I, I have a very difficult time hearing owners say, Well, you know, losses are biblical and we're doing what we can. And it's every team. It's it's well, every team except for the Mets and except for the Padres, and except for the Blue Jays, and except for the Phillies. Pretty much every other team, though, is like, we're getting smoked. But even the but, Phillies, I mean, they were they were reportedly like too broke to keep Zach Wheeler, the guy they just signed. Like, there was yeah, rumors in the offseason, so it's like... I mean, they still... Right, but they still spent, you know? 
But but those other teams, they, they ain't too worried about it. Mets are sure as hell not worried about it. The Padres are like, the Padres and the White Sox are in two very similar situations. And they are taking what I would call not similar approaches. Yeah, there have been some improvements for the Sox during this offseason, but the Padres have said, getting a little bit better is not good enough for us. We are getting a lot better. We're going to go hard here. We are really going to make this team better. I don't see why the Sox can't do that. And it's disappointing to me they can't. It really is. Be, this is the kind of time that you take advantage as best as you possibly can to make this team as good as it can possibly be so that when you do get to the playoffs, you don't have to be perfect in order to go all the way to the World Series. You can make a few mistakes, but you're good enough to absorb those mistakes. This is what the Sox should be doing right now. 312-644-6767. If you'd like to join us, we'll take your thoughts on the Sox. The Cubs are going to take a look at Jeff Samarja this weekend. Shark could be back in Chicago. He could be back on the north side. And um, we'll let you know if the Bears trade for Deshaun Watson in the next hour. I'm Chris Ranji. This is The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.